Psychologist and author Terence Reel wrote about a pizza study on girls. Robin Clark explains the findings. And at eight, girls will tell you. They'll be like, sausage, pepperoni, pineapple, whatever. And at 10, they go, I don't know. And at 12, they say, what do you want? We are like taught that wanting what other people want is how we're going to get them to like us. And that's not true. But when you're raised in a family where you see that happening in your parents and you go next door and your friend's parents, they're doing the same thing and it's on TV and it's in the movies and it's in the songs, you're like, must be real. And you get praise for it. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering you into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. All women everywhere were taught to be good. That does not help anyone. I'm your host, LC, and I found myself falling into relationships that basically had me living the life of the status quo, regular old gender roles, which I do not agree with. The fact that I do not agree with them is valid enough. I asked Robin Clark to come onto my podcast. You'll see why in a second. And I am so proud and honored to announce that this is the first podcast she has come on. Robin Clark is a coach and photographer for women. She's a feminist, an advocate for women to get free from the codependent good girl conditioning that has us looking for security in others. She is a guide supporting women to cultivate a solid sense of ground within. She is a lifetime student of the patriarchy's impacts on women and is committed to passing on everything she's learned to help women rise, feel empowered, and get more free. On an individual level, like I don't know any woman who wouldn't benefit by making themselves a higher priority making their needs and their gifts and their values and their desires just a higher priority to take this energy that's always kind of scanning other people and like bring it back to themselves. We don't know because we have been told the opposite, but we don't know that all that empathy and care is actually for us. Other people don't get to just have access to it whenever they want. Part of owning ourselves is choosing when we choose to give that to someone but it's not when they demand it or it's not an obligation. And I think so many women just have so much of their energy and life force just leaking out into this perpetual state of caring that actually is just giving themselves away. But we're praised for it. We're taught that's what connection is. And so even like tiny little incremental steps of plugging the leaks, turning a colander into a bowl and like learning how to hold your own energy and then from your own surplus, then giving it to people when you choose to. I mean, just that would change women and family structures and how businesses and just the world works completely. I totally believe that. And to your point, I think it's not only women that would benefit. It's actually the family, the community, the whole world. Totally. How many conversations have you heard with people talking about their mothers and saying like, I wish she'd made herself a higher priority. I wish she said no to him more. I wish she didn't cook all the meals. I wish she had written the book or done the thing. I wish she had paid a little less attention to us in certain ways, maybe emotionally leaned in a little less. I guess what we do is kind of try to take over. And that doesn't really allow other people to have their experiences. Right. But you know, we've been taught that's what being a good woman is, is that you're just always there for people in this kind of codependent, 
sort of smothering way that you think is being helpful, but on the receiving end, it can feel like a little like, whoa, 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 you know? So any step women can take to bring more of the energy back to themselves, fill themselves up, and then be more discerning about how and when they give that, it would change everything. Are you willing to go into a couple of the things that somebody could do? Because I know in my case, I didn't even know where to start. Oh my God, I didn't even know that I didn't know. I was so deep in it. Me neither. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was just so deep in it. I think one of the things is to acknowledge to yourself, if this is true for you, how drained you are. How often have you talked to women? They're like, I'm so tired. (laughs) Tired. (laughs) Life's so full, so busy. So many people need so many things. The phone's ringing all that. It's like, acknowledge that it's like crazy. You know, not that the woman is, but this is what we've been trained to do. And like that it's tiring. It's depleting you. It's actually having you in a chronic state of stress. And you've been taught that that's just what being a woman and being alive is. And that's sort of a red flag, like the chronic fatigue. There's a reason why so many people have chronic fatigue or adrenal issues or whatever. It's like, we're just over giving. And I think the first step is just noticing that. Because when we start paying attention to our bodies and the signal our body is giving us, then that's when we kind of are like, oh, it's like when you eat food, that's just not the right food for you. And you got digestive issues. Oh, I'm not going to eat that. But hey, when you're living in this way where you're chronically depleting yourself, it's hard to even know where to start. But I think the first place to start is to acknowledge it's happening and that it's not other people who need to change to make your life better. It's that you're going to have to start changing how you do things. That's a big one. Yeah. And, and what that is for people is all really different. What that next step looks like, maybe it's like you need to go to CODA meetings. Maybe you just need to pick up a book. Maybe you start reading Brene Brown and you're like getting excited about how how is it that the best leaders have the best boundaries? You know, like, what's that? Okay. Maybe you join a women's group. Maybe I don't know what the next step is, but that listening, each woman's instinct will tell her what her next right step is. I just got chills. Each woman's instinct. That's what it's about. It's about not listening to all the people out there saying, this is what a woman should be. This is how you're going to be happy. This is how you're meant to thrive. It's like, my inner knowing already has all the answers. I've just forgotten to ask. I wasn't even told I could ask. Well, you were actually told that you couldn't ask. Well, yeah, that's actually. I mean, most of us, most of our socialization <laughs> process is pretty firm on actually teaching girls, like, don't listen to your instinct, listen to me, whoever that me is, parent, teacher, whomever. And so it's like, there's a million times where girls do listen to their instinct and they're punished for it. So you learn over time to push that down. And the byproduct is that women's instincts become really injured. They're always there, but they're injured. And so part of that work of the what do I do next is how do I start even learning how to hear my instinct and then have the courage to act on what it's saying? And it's like a muscle. You have to like go back in and like retrain. Can I ask how you started to retrain yours? Good question. Um, Okay, so... I've always had a good intuition. You know, I worked for a long period of time, like teaching intuition development classes, being an earth sign, I think, and very somatically oriented. I think that helped. And it was provided a kind of a tool set. I didn't always know how to apply it, but it was a priority that I was cultivating. But I think for me in my 30s, like my big wake up call was my body. My body didn't just speak to me. It screamed at me with jabbing, searing pain, like knife through the chest level, just like, you have to stop this. 
like the way that someone who has an alcohol issue, you know, when they wake up, they have a moment of waking up drunk in some random person's front yard and they're like, I can't go any further. It's like your bottom, my bottom was my body is screaming at me so intensely. I'm worried I might get cancer. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to change. I'm going to find every resource and do all the things I need to do to change this pattern that's been passed on in my family for generations. I'm going to do it. And I've been working on it, but I realized I had to go all in. Oh, that's huge. All in. What pattern is this that you're talking about? What was the thing that you had to stop? Throwing myself under the bus to keep people around. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not alone in that. (laughs) No, (laughs) certainly not. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the formula for being like a nice woman, good girl, good girlfriend. Yeah, just huge, massive, screaming self-abandonment and putting up with so much unstable behavior from other people. And instead of being like, oh, this is a sign that what this person wants, what I want, aren't a fit, and I'll just throw the fish back in the river, which is what now what I would think. At the time, because of how I've been raised, what I thought was, oh, I can make this work. I'll run a workshop. I'll like be inspiring. I'll go, hey, read this book. Let's talk about it over time. Well, wait a minute. Should I talk about this way? Or like, maybe you need like a visual tool or like, should we do like a reenact? You know, like, how can I get through to you instead of being like, oh, walk away. That's the pattern. And it wasn't just with partners. It was all over my life where I was like perpetually trying to make something that wasn't working work. (laughs) the story of my life too this is and this is why you resonate so much with so many people (laughs) because again this is what we're taught but not everyone talks about it right maybe they're not ready to too i don't know if you would ask me this when i was deeper in the whole just chaotic process of it all i would have been like i'm like two in the soup you know like you got to cross the bridge enough i mean i don't know if we ever quote, cross on the bridge all the way. But like, you got to cross enough where you have enough stability in a new way of being to like, reflect back and talk about it without like reactivating shame. But more yeah. like, hey, I actually did something really empowering. It was really hard. <laughs> like, I'm significantly free enough from it that it's not like ruining my day every day. And that takes a while. It takes however long it takes till that's true for someone. It takes however long it takes. It takes however long it takes. In this process of crossing that bridge, what things did you find that were really supportive for you? Was it people? Was it just waking up that day and saying, I can't do this anymore? What were the things? I think the things started with my own desire where I was like, I've tried everything that I know to do. And I've been hacking away at this thing for like 15 years. And I was like, all the tools I have only take me to the part where my body's still screaming at me so loud. I'm afraid I'm going to get cancer. This isn't working. There's clearly a whole other skill set I just don't have. That's when I was like, I'm going all in. I'll do anything. And I was really put to the test about that, for sure, Um, about five dozen times. (laughs) Like, how hard are you going to go? But I think the thing that really helped me the most was working with a woman who was older than me and who had has really amazing attunement and depth and held a secure container that helped me start taking steps that way. Doing regular weekly work. I wouldn't just go to a session. I'm like going home and like reading all this stuff and journaling about it's like a whole thing. I made it like my project for years, which I'd already been doing, but I just was like, 
everything else is going to the side now. Like I got to get free. And then I think the best teacher for sure is life because every few weeks, something would happen with some relationship or some circumstance that would be like, okay, cool. You need to put your money where your mouth is and you need to figure out how you're going to do this different. And that would take a few weeks. Then I'd get like a week or two of like, oh, take a breath and the next one. And it just went on like that for three or four years. Maybe it will always go on like that. Maybe it just doesn't feel as challenging now because the thick of it, out of the thick of the brush a little. It was like that, really. I think I did some 12-step meetings too that were really helpful. And then getting into like reading that literature is like really, there's a lot of tools there too. So it's like feminism and 12-step work and then like, wild woman information and it's like weaving all this stuff because the the tools are there we just have to go access them we do and we need to know what they are and that we can access them yeah because again (laughs) they don't teach wild woman ways in school (laughs) yeah no they're not like okay so our project today is we're going to teach you how to reclaim your inner protector you know, and, and like that's not, that's the class we needed. It is. It's not the class we got. We got, you need to behave or you're going to get punished. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> you work with other women now. So maybe you've kind of stepped into the role of that. I'm not going to call you old, but the older, the, the person that you were working with, the older woman, and you've been able to take these lessons to help other women. What are some of the other triggers and what I mean by triggers, which is such a trigger word. (laughs) Have you seen that other women are experiencing where they're at their bottom point where they're like, okay, I got to do something. Yeah. I'm going to go all in now. I think it's often a bad relationship. And by bad, I just mean extremely confronting. It's probably just the relationship they needed actually, like we all do. That's going to like really rip the blinders off, you know, and just be like, look at the pattern, look at your pattern. It's often that. Sometimes it's health issues. Sometimes it's like this feeling of, I don't feel like a strong woman. I'm just not making strong woman choices. You know, they'll have someone they look up to like Michelle Obama or Beyonce or whoever their sort of hero is. And they're like, I'm not making choices that are even in that ballpark. I am not, this isn't me being my full self. And this is it's like they're disheartened. Everyone has a different moment of what what's going to catalyze them. I was that first category. <laughs> you were. Yeah, I think that's probably like the big, that's the big one, right? Yeah, and in a relationship, you are confronted with all of your stuff. So it makes sense <laughs> that yeah. if you have patterns of relationships that shrink you or are unhealthy in some way. I mean, I don't think a relationship can shrink you, but I think that we feel that way because we shrink within them. Yeah. But we shrink. (laughs) We're not shrunken, we shrink. Totally. I want to tell you a short story about that that I think was really, it it changed me. It was like a seed that planted that was really helpful for me. You know, I've been doing counseling work for 20 years. The first phase of it was working like as a mental health counselor in different social workplaces. And I worked two years on a locked psych ward. And one day a woman who was in her seventies was brought in for trying to commit suicide. It was very like meager attempt. It wasn't wholehearted, but her kids had found her and they were concerned and they brought her to their emergency room and then she's put on this hold. And now I'm sitting at a kitchen table talking to her and she goes, I was someone's daughter. I was someone's girlfriend. I was someone's wife. I was someone's mother. And then the kids moved out and my husband died 
and I don't know who I am. And that's why she tried to kill herself. She would rather have ended it than do the work of actually discovering who she is. As I think I was maybe 22 when she told me this, it just left such an impression of like, if we follow the script that we're given, that is what women are taught to just exist for others. But there's this point when you're going to have to get to know yourself. And I think that fear of alone and fear of self drives a lot of self-abandoning choices. And if we can turn around and face that, embrace ourselves sooner, then I think it changes the whole game of what kind of life choices we're going to make and what we'll allow in our life. I feel that. So you were 22 hearing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was always really drawn to that kind of work. And prior to working there, I'd worked at a battered women's shelter. I knew from an early, like really early, I was like, there's this thing with women. And I don't know what my role in all that is, but that's where I'm going to start digging and following the trail. And it sounds like you got that work from a couple of different angles for your outside work and from your inside work. It's kind of been a full court press. It's like my life's project for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I see you radiating. I see you shining. I, I see you in your power. And it's absolutely stunning. It's amazing to see when a woman does say, you know what? Life is hard, but I'm not the victim of it. I'm not a victim to it. I can rise and I can really stand in my power. And I just feel like you're that, for me at least. Thanks. You know, there's that like Audrey Lord quote that gets thrown around a lot, which I love and say incessantly on my page, which is like, we get strong by doing things that make us strong. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that women will have of like, well, I don't feel strong. And that's why I can't do the hard thing. But it's doing the hard thing that makes you strong. It's having the hard conversation. It's setting the boundary. It's following up with a boundary. It's asking for what you need. It's whatever. And then on the other side of it, that's where you get stronger. And we all have access to that. It's just about finding enough support that you feel held enough to be able to lean into those kind of choices. That is so true. So true about the support. Are you feeling this? Are you resonating with this at all? This is exactly why I created this podcast. And it's exactly why I included a premium membership for $7 a month with the podcast. If you are ready to do what's best for you, no matter how lost you feel, you can pull yourself up. The key is a community of women a sisterhood. Because that light you see in everyone else, we see in you. And we will be here to cheer you on when you're making those hard choices to stand up for yourself, to honor yourself, and give yourself the respect you deserve. I can't wait. I can't wait to see you fly. Step into the inner circle. It is open for you. Link is in the show notes. We'll see you there. I would not have left if I didn't have the friends that I had. Have? <laughs> I still have them. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And the ability to speak openly and honestly with that circle of women, for me, it was that radical honesty. One day, I just couldn't not speak the truth. And it didn't come out very nicely either. It came out, why are we even married? But it was true and it, there was no stopping that phrase. And that's what started, I'll say, the dissolution of our marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say that marriage fails because relationships are just relationships. And the only one we really have is the one with ourselves. Honestly, I feel like the big relationship failure is the people who stay in relationships they know they need to end. 
and not like failure of the person's failing, but the relationship itself is probably taking more from each person than it's giving and it's not healthy, but they're all learning experiences. And it sounds like what you were saying was like the question you were asking yourself. You were just saying it out loud. Oh, like, yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> why, why am I here? What are we doing? Yeah. And to be honest, I did it uh, years prior. I got married at 21 and I got married at 35. And both times, two people who were completely, I don't want to say opposite. One of my friends says it's like oil and water. They just don't mix. They're not going to mix. That's one of the cool things about getting older is like you have all this history to reflect back on. When I was, say, 23, I had had some relationship experience, but I hadn't put the pattern together yet. Mm-hmm. By 35, I could see it. Now at 44, I'm like, it is IMAX level clear. You know, like it is so <laughs> clear. The pattern I inherited, my part in it, my blind spots, the tools I needed to develop. But in, it's like, you get it in hindsight. And then you can apply it, but it takes a while to weave together what your your pieces are. Yeah. And I believe having that, again, support, that help, that person to go to is so incredibly essential. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the work you do a little bit and how people can connect with you if they are feeling like, I need that. (laughs) Yeah. So I work as a coach and I help the whole thing of your identity and your sense of security comes from other people. So you should be who they want you to be. So they'll approve of you. And then you can feel secure. Like that thing we were all taught to do. It's so disempowering. And so all my work is around flipping that script. It's like if your sense of solid ground is inside you, and you feel nourished and held by your connection to yourself, it's such a different world of relating and how you do choices. That was taken from girls. And so my coaching work is about each woman having her own journey of how to bring that back to herself. And how that looks for each woman's really different because her life, her history, her age, her culture is different. But it happens. And it's a really, really like cool, empowering thing to hold space for. Fun, too. But I mean, I'm sure any client watching me is like, girl, wasn't that fun? <laughs> but we do have fun. And we, we you know, find the humor and develop the tools and that feeling of strengthening, it is really enlivening the further people go with it. It is. And then even when you are in that space of just crying and feeling into the old shame that you're releasing, Mm -hmm. but you're feeling it as it's releasing, it's not fun. No, it isn't. But you have the awareness, Mm -hmm. which makes it a lot more empowering and a lot more doable. And you know that on the other side of this, is such a strength and beauty. There really is. But it's on the other side of that. Yeah, when we kind of like brought in the bridge metaphor, and I think almost more it's like lily pads, you know, there's like, it's not like one big bridge, because you do you jump on, you know, say like a lily pad, and you do get a period of like stability where you're like, ah, oh, I can like integrate that previous jump, right? And then something will happen that will kind of like shake it up. And you you know, you got to like do the next thing. Yeah, it's like in waves, but each one, it is really empowering, like fulfilling, enlivening. And it is really amazing to watch women who like start with maybe not even being able to really ask people for what they want to like fast forward a couple years and they're out of that relationship, you know, like done a whole bunch of work, their income is improved, their health improves, they start engaging in relationships in a really different way. And it's like the pattern's already beginning to change. It's like, ah, takes what it takes, right? But I think when people lean in, it it does start moving. It really does. 
Absolutely it does. The universe rises to lift women higher when they start standing up for themselves every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time. I love your lily pad analogy because it makes me think of you step onto the one lily pad and you're like, all right. And then there's just water all around. You don't even see the next one a lot of times until it's ready to pop up and then it will. And you're like, okay, now go. But it isn't that steady bridge where you can just see where you're going. It's like, who knows where the next lily pad's going to pop up. We just have to have faith that it does. Well, and generally it's some person doing something that you're like, that ain't right. <laughs> I don't, that's not going to work. Oh, what do, hmm, my habit would be to do X. Oh, mm, but I already know the outcome of how that works. I, oh, I have to learn how to do this differently. It's usually yeah. a situation like that where you're like, I really don't know. And you have to go learn what you need to do and fumble around with it for a while. So that then becomes easy. Fumble around. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. It's just, it's so real and so uh, tangible to me. Maybe because I've lived exactly what you're talking about. Totally. Most women have. Every woman reaches their certain moment where they're like, I'm not asking, can I make this work anymore? I'm going to start asking, does this work for me? You know? Yeah. And it took, for me, it took... <laughs> On another podcast, my previous podcast, I interviewed somebody who I was just like, wow, this guy is like me kind of, and I don't have a connection with my husband like this. Not that I (laughs) had a romantic connection with this person or anything. It was just, I think people come into your life just to kind of show you what can be or what is possible. And is this what you're living? And I got so honest at this time that I just told my husband, like, look, I met this guy and I'm just like wondering if we're, <laughs> if this is, this relationship is right. I mean, nothing happened with this other person or anything. I like, it didn't matter, but it sparked that question, that curiosity mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. So I realized that doing more meditating, doing more healing, being compassionate, doing more, all of those things that spirituality tells us you can be at peace in any storm, wasn't bringing me the peace and the happiness that I was meant to have. It was just speaking my truth that I needed to do. And once I started speaking my truth, all of a sudden, the rest of the self-care stuff, I didn't need as much. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting how that works. What about you? I went through a really intense thing when I was like 20, I don't know, my early 20s at some point. My boyfriend from high school, we were no longer together. But I've still really bonded to him. He died in a car accident. And following that, I just like went to in such like a spiral of grief. But in my dreams, sometimes he'd visit me. And the dreams weren't dreamy at all. It was like as real as talking right now. And I could like feel him and like smell him. And we're like talking. And I was like, there's a bridge. And if he can cross the bridge to visit me, that means I can cross the bridge to like talk to him. There's some way these worlds are connected. But I'm like in my early 20s, you know, so topics about like life and death were new. But in my typical fashion, I went all in of learning. And I was time I was living in New England. And I went to a meditation center in Cambridge every week for a year, started meditating and reading all these, anything I could get my hands on that was like, the different meditation teachers just trying to understand because I had a very instinctive sense that like the way there was in and I wasn't wrong the way there is in and the further I went into it the more actually my ability to hear him came and so from there I spent the next 
I don't know, many years working as an intuitive. It became like my gift. It's like this ability to hear and feel and empathize. And so that just put me like straight on, like, you know, being so spiritual because what I was doing was like really spiritual and it wasn't expected. It wasn't something prior to him dying. Like it wasn't even a thought in my head. Oh, I'm going to learn how to meditate and like try to connect with him. So that put me on like the next 15 years of like dabbling in all different kinds of spirituality, whether it was like working in yoga studios, doing lots of yoga, trying all that, and really enjoying it. Ayurveda, meditation, a spiritual community I was part of. And in the end, in my moment of like my body being like sounding the alarm, it's just like, okay, there's pieces of all that that are useful, but it's also so much bypassing. There's so much bypassing. It's like a skipping of a step or it's like a piece of a tapestry, but there's other elements that are needed that I needed anyhow to feel whole, resourced, and held. A really good example, people will kind of say like, this person's your karma. They're going to teach you everything you need to learn. And it's like, maybe, or maybe I just actually need to not date this person. You know, like, I don't have to sign up for like everything. You know, I get to choose. There's no should. There's not this thing out there that's like telling you what your next step is. You have agency here and you can make your own choices. In fact, you need to. Because the person that we're actually here to be loyal to is ourselves. And our body is like constantly giving us feedback about how to be committed to ourselves. And so you can't like throw that inner knowing under the bus to be like, well, it was fated. There was this synchronicity that we met through this orchestration of events. Like clearly it was meant to be. It's like what was meant to be was to give you an opportunity. And then from there you choose what you want to do. And I think that whole way is just so not spiritual and was clearly what I needed for me to just be like, okay, I'm going to kind of like almost like a sponge take all this stuff that I had learned and much of it's valuable and kind of like squeeze out the good part that like nourish and support me and then like throw out the rest of it. And like, let's be real. So many of the quote spiritual teachers are actually low key cult leaders that are abusing people. There's a lot of unsavory, unintegrated behavior happening. And so I was kind of just like, and I'm okay to have some more boundaries there and actually point myself in a different direction. That's more around personal agency. Yeah. The spiritual practices, the yoga and all of that always was to get you into your self, yep. into your autonomy, into your own decisions. But you're right. So many people stay in the spirituality aspect of it, which is kind of out there. And they're always looking at this for answers or going here for answers or asking my guides. I have to ask my guides. I have to ask my guides. <laughs> And, and I, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like how much that made you laugh because it's like, no, you're, you're in charge. You're in charge. <laughs> what do you want? Yes. Right. Like you exist in your own life. But I think particularly for women, when you've internalized that pleasing other people is where security and identity comes from to tell a woman, like, what do you want? It's not uncommon to get a very like deer in headlight kind of response. Women are like, I don't even know what I want. And spirituality, depending on what flavors you're dabbling in, can really strengthen that sort of dissociative quality of like, well, I don't really, I'll just trust and I'll be shown 
which is true, there are signs, but like the biggest sign you can have is just actually listening to yourself and deciding what you want. Boom. The biggest sign is the one that's in your body. Yeah, it's in your own instinct. When I was little, I would be asked a question every time. I don't care. Every time. I don't care. I didn't form an identity. I didn't, from that young, and I know, again, I'm not the only one. From that young, though, I just was going to go with whatever anybody else wanted because I didn't care. Did I actually care? I don't know. You care. I probably did. I mean, <laughs> for sure. You know, one of my favorite feminist writers is this, well, I mean, you've already noticed my page is sort of a Bell Hooks fan page, but also my other favorite feminist writer is Terrence Real. And Terrence Real talks about in one of his awesome relationship books, How Can I Get Through to You? He talks about this, like, I don't know if it's a study or whatever, but it's like a pizza study or like some sort of psychological thing. And the pizza study is simple. It's just asking girls that are 8, 10, and 12 what kind of pizza they want. And at 8, girls will tell you. They'll be like, sausage, pepperoni, pineapple, whatever. And at 10, they go, I don't know. And at 12, they say, what do you want? I mean, we are like taught that wanting what other people want is how we're going to get them to like us. And that's not true. But when you're raised in a family where you see that happening in your parents, and you go next door and your friend's parent, they're doing the same thing. And it's on TV and it's in the movies and it's in the songs. You're like, must be real. And you get praised for it. What did you do to come into your voice? How did you start to finally speak up? What was that like for you? Yeah, so I have an interesting journey with that in that I come from a you know line of women that are really outspoken. It's kind of like I have a family of individualists. Like everyone thinks something pretty different and they're all kind of opinionated. And so I was like indoctrinated into like, you can speak. In seventh grade and middle school, those polls that will tell you like, you know, who are you most likely to be when you grow up? Mine went completely off script and it said, you always know where you stand with Robin. And I was like, um, <laughs> okay, but that's good information, especially now of like, okay, even as a 13 year old, people were like, this chick is clear. So you think, oh, well, that would have been enough. And I think it was in my 30s that I realized how it's not enough. It's like, I was missing really essential pieces. And I was missing two pieces I can just think off the top of my head. One was like, I'm going to someone and I'm saying like, hey, this isn't working, or I don't like how you're talking to me, or I wish you would do X, or you know, I'm like, I'm saying the thing. It's not enough. And it's not enough for two reasons. One is that I didn't understand that I cannot make someone be more mature than they are. <laughs> You can't make a request to be like, hey, could you be 10 lily pads over from where you're... It's like, no, they're at where they're at. You can't ask them to not be where they're at. So I think I didn't understand that when I'm saying like, hey, could you whatever I decide is going to be reasonable behavior to them, they're like, no, I am where I am. And I would just keep trying to like change it rather than hearing like, oh, what I'm saying is this doesn't work for me. I did not understand oh, I'm telling myself what I need. It's to end this. But I just kept what I'm speaking. This should change it. It's not a magic trick. You can't make someone hocus pocus become who you want. And I also didn't understand congruency. I didn't understand that actions and words have to be the same. I didn't get it. Like I didn't get that voice isn't just speaking. It's like a full bodied expression. It's you know, if you close a door with someone, you have to like block them on your phone and Facebook and Venmo and like, da -da 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 -da, like whatever you're going to do that you need to do to be like, 
2021. This is what closure actually looks like now. You have to do that. And then you can't three months later, like be like, Hey, do you want to talk about that? You close the door, close the door, etc. with whatever kind of request. And so I didn't understand about like, okay, yeah, just because you are kind of a loud mouth and you can talk, that doesn't actually mean you're speaking effectively, nor does it mean that you know how to hear what you're saying. It took me a while to figure those ones out. And I think when I got those two pieces together, that's when I was like, oh, the sword of my voice I now know how to use. But it took a while. I love that you are mentioning that it takes a while for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can wake up to a fact. <laughs> But you've woken up to the fact in your mind. And now, again, it's, yes, you can speak, you can know it, you can understand it in your head, but the embodiment of it, the integration of it, and that congruent action, I've learned this recently as well. Yeah, you can speak your truth, but if you don't act congruently to it, that doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And I think, you know, in the gender socialization, how boys have their emotional like vulnerability and tenderness is what they're asked to shelve. Mm-hmm. Girls are asked to shelve their animus, this sort of like young, fiery, active self, which is also called your voice. Voice isn't just speaking. Voice is your whole self expressing something and being congruent with what you're saying. And when you got that, then you have your voice. But it's like all these little steps of like building that, you know, and figuring out what pieces you need so you can wield your voice again. And I think too, accepting that some people, a lot of people maybe are not going to like it. They will call you certain <laughs> things. <laughs> Guaranteed. Basically, <laughs> basically taking back your voice, not taking it back. You've always had it, but stepping into and actually expressing your voice. It basically means you now have to surrender the responsibility you were trying to have for everyone else. Because they're going to have to take care of their own shit now. You're going to speak your truth. And if it's from that loving place and that kind heart, which you can't hide a kind heart. If your heart is kind and you're speaking your truth, you're just speaking your truth. Somebody else says something about that, doesn't like it, not your responsibility. That was huge for me. Yeah, and um, they're going to throw some daggers at you. And they're going to hurt. They do. There's no armor. There's no like armadillo skin you can put on yourself that's going to be like, yeah, I didn't feel that. You're going to feel it. And you have to just be like, take it as your confirmation that you made the right choice. And also you can be as kind as you want, but if someone fundamentally is not interested in receiving your boundary, all they're going to hear is you being a colossal asshole. So you can like do your best, but you can't like manage how people see you and how they experience that. I know I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) We all have. (laughs) Yep. Not working. (laughs) But again, Like you said before, if you're telling somebody what you want them to be for you, you're telling yourself what's not right in this situation for you. I love that. You are. Man, it's hard to hear it too, you know? It's like when you asked your divorce question, you're like, what are we doing here, you know, in your marriage? It's so hard because... It's hard to hear, like, (laughs) what I'm actually saying is, I don't want to be here. Yeah. That's what I'm actually saying, right? Yeah. And it's not hard because I don't want to be here. It's hard because... I put myself in this situation. I blame myself. I was so deep into the self-blame of like, I created this. I need to deal with the consequences. It's like, well, yeah, I do. But I can either stay in a relationship that isn't healthy. And basically that means it's a failed relationship. Or I can give myself and really both of us space to express how we want to be living. I can't imagine 
being with somebody who wants me to change so bad all the time, like that would suck. It would suck. I think it's really, really difficult for people. I should just say, I think there is another path that people often have to check out too, of like, you know, it's their stay and go, but in the middle, it's like doing couples therapy and like working with someone who's really good at getting into the systems and the dials and the cogs of how this whole thing works. And if both people are willing and they want it, it's actually pretty amazing how couples can transform. And sometimes what transforms is just they're, they're able to now integrate the truth of like it's done. But oftentimes it's like, they grow and change in really surprising ways, especially when they're both also doing their own work. And I think lots of people have to try that and give it like a solid go before they'd be willing to leave to know that they did their best and that, that they found out this isn't a path that is going to continue. Yeah, excellent point And so true. It may not be stay or go, but you also have to look at are you both willing? It's a prerequisite for that next step. It is, right? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yep. you, can't, you can't force somebody to be willing. No, you can't. Robin, this has been amazing. I wish we could talk for another three hours, but (laughs) you're like, oh, we're all done. Let's do it. (laughs) Is there anything top of mind or rising up from your heart that you would love to leave with listeners? Just one. I want to leave in women's minds that even if their mothers were stuck with something and her mother was. And then her mother was, and it's like woven so deep into the family system. You just feel like your life is just going to be another whatever that is. It doesn't have to be like that. That we all have the capacity and the ability to break chains. It does not mean it's easy. It won't be, but like you can. And to not lose hope, to not just be like, well, she had that. So I have to, it's just how it is for us. No. You can choose how you want your life to go. And if you want something different for yourself, you can have that. And to like not lose hope and not fall into sort of conventional patriarchal sexist thinking around how women or relationships should be. And that the tools that you need are out there. You might not know what they are yet, but if you follow your instinct, like it's going to guide you and you can begin to like start changing the direction of your life. And following your instinct might just start with realizing that something isn't quite right. Yeah, you feel drained. Why am I drained all the time? That's a great place. We don't have to be drained. We're not meant to be drained. No, we're not. That's a signal that your body's like, you're not doing it right. (laughs) You know, like something needs to change. And the something isn't going to be other people. It's going to be you. Boom. Thank you so much, Robin. I have had such a joy. Yeah, it was really lovely. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. Absolutely. My friend, I am eternally curious, and I so would love to know what sparked you during that conversation. Please find me at the newly created Instagram profile at BoundlessHeartPod. If you're looking for Robin Clark, you can find her on Instagram at LoveRobinClark, or her website is Robin-Clark.com. Next week is the episode many of you have been waiting for. I interview Coco Berlin, author of Pussy Yoga. If you're a feminist in support of women speaking up for ourselves and acting congruently so that we stop asking what we can do to make things work and instead start asking, does this work for me? Because let me tell you what, when women start to ask that question and realize that it's okay for things not to work for them, they're going to stop putting up with things that don't. Humanity is going to stop treating the earth like shit because that doesn't work for women. Treating women like shit 
doesn't work for women. It doesn't work. So if you're in support of women asking what works for us, and if you want to step into that kind of woman, or if you want to be there to support those who want to step into being that kind of woman, the boundless heart inner circle is open and it expands exponentially with every new member. We lift each other up. We rise together. The inner circle is $7 a month and the link is in the show notes. Until next time, ask yourself this. What do I want? Do I know what I want? What do I want? Tell yourself, it's acceptable to want. It's okay that I don't know what I want, but I know I can find it. My instinct will lead me. So let your instincts lead you. And don't